Aaron Origin, dangerously close to that trade deadline. Yeah. Do you expect subtractions, additions? A lot of things are being floated up there. So you could see everything probably from nothing to guys leaving, some guys coming. Once again, to the Thunderdome, also known as Put Me in Coach, a podcast about baseball hosted by your buddies, Matt and Carl. I'm Matt. And I'm Carl. <laughs> and it, but we might be your buddies, but we are not feeling very friendly today, boys. We're feeling the Thunderdome. Anyway, so uh, normally this is a nice and easy podcast where we drink some beers and we talk about baseball, but uh, we're recapping the trade deadline today, and we are recording this about 90 minutes after that deadline hit, and uh, we've got some takes, we've got some thoughts. I've I've come down from a ledge since I was uh, furiously texting you earlier, Carl, but um, still some thoughts about the Mets especially, but uh, yeah. even more about the Tigers. Um How's everything been aside from trade news? Great. I am currently recording in a, in a hotel room in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I'm down here for work. I'll be heading down to Louisville uh, for the remainder of the week. But like you said, we were texting back and forth. And I did that as I was walking down uh, the street from my hotel about a half mile down the road to get some Buffalo Wild Wings for dinner. And uh, not a sponsor. And I... <laughs> was standing there waiting and they were like, Oh, it'll be ready in 30 minutes. And, the, and then it wasn't. And then they forgot my condiments, but MLB TV was on the TV as the deadline was counting down from like 20 oh. minutes to 15 minutes to 10 until literally where I was like, literally there's 90 seconds before the deadline. And I was texting you, are, are the tigers going to screw this up? <laughs> Where's the deal? And, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm going to try and be, magnanimous and i'm gonna try to be benevolent and other fancy words for i'm gonna try and give scott harrison rope but i am well i am excited to talk about this but i do still have thoughts so how are you dude uh, like i said there was a ledge that i needed to be walked down from i was pretty yeah. bummed uh the nature of my job some days is where i just sit and run a projection for you know half a day so i got to i got to watch the whole thing while just pressing play on a video um uh so i was alone in my thoughts for a decent chunk of time oh. today and we'll get into them later um aside from yeah, that my, you... my life is great <laughs> good good I'm, and i'm glad you pointed that out because you had a double whammy today because you are not just a tigers fan but you're also a mets fan yeah and boy is there a lot of stuff swirling around the mets so i don't know which one is worse <laughs> we'll get into it I, I'm I'm pretty sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you, you drive this ship. So I'm gonna hand the steering wheel back to yeah. you. Tell us where we're gonna go. Well, first let's start with the uh, the beer of the week, and this is a good news. This is a good news. So let's get the uh, let's get the bullfighter. Beer of the week brought to you by Craft and Carry in the Upper West Side. I went back this week, got some new crafts, all New York beers. Uh, one from Canada, but not this one. This is from Buffalo. I'm drinking it out of my Detroit Tigers. Uh, uh, you know, nice little uh, you know, mug here. Um, this is Hefe House from Thin Man Brewery. Pretty standard Hefeweizen beer. Um, very, very good. Perfect to drink in the summertime and while you stew over some trades. And um, you know, one of these days, Craft and Carry is going to sponsor us. I mentioned lightly to them. I was like, Hey, I have a podcast and I profile a beer every week. And they were like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, you're the seventeenth. You're the seventeenth guy to come in and say that today. <laughs> I'm putting the bug in their ear, like maybe we'll sponsor this guy, or at least give him a discount. They didn't even have a happy hour. It was very weird. Anyway, baseball news. Before we get to the trade deadline, there's of course most of the news comes out of that this week, but some stuff that may have gone a little unnoticed. Uh, Manfred, Rob Manfred, is officially uh, going to be the MLB commissioner through January 2029. He uh, he's gotten his extension. People seem to like him in that role. I don't know why. I don't think we have to explore it much further either. Uh, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna know our feelings on it, well, you go back to our episode uh, entitled "Fuck Rob Manfred," and I think yeah. I, I, you could probably stop at the title. Yeah. 
Uh, in related news, the Athletics have raised ticket prices specifically for one game, the August 5th game against San Francisco, that just so happens to be the date of another reverse boycott from Oakland fans. Anything to screw over their own fans. That's what John Fisher wants to do. <laughs> He's like, just like, it can't stop being comically evil. Yeah. He just can't, of course. can't get out of his own comically evil way. Um, but let's... Turn to some brighter things, though. Uh, Shohei Otani, he's had an amazing week. The Angels announced that they weren't going to trade him. They were taking him off the block. They weren't considering trading him. And that they were going to go all in to make sure they did everything they could to get Shohei into the postseason this year. And he responded in a big way. The Angels responded in a big way. They swept the Tigers. Shohei pitched a complete game shutout uh, during a doubleheader. So game one, he complete, uh, pitches a complete game shutout. In game two, he hits two home runs. <laughs> Uh, and in the following series, he had this kind of it just he's been performing so well that in the following series against Toronto, uh, Blue Jays third baseman Matt Chapman angrily protested to his manager, John Schneider. He said, why are we pitching to him? He's the only one in that fucking lineup who can hit. He was subsequently walked four times in the rest of the series, intentionally walked four times. And now that they're in Atlanta, they had as of press time, they had one game last night against Atlanta, intentionally walked in that game as well, uh, to the to the chagrin of the home fans. So I think a lot of people are starting to catch on. Shohei is no longer protected in the lineup by Mike Trout. Let's just walk him because, you know, it's a liability to try to put him on base. <laughs> yeah, but, but then the Angels apparently took offense to what Matt Chapman said. I watched that game last night. I, I tuned in pretty early. And uh, the Angels responded. They hit four home runs. Last I knew, I think it was four solo home runs off yep. of uh, a not a not bad Charlie Morton. Um, and the pitching held up really, really well. Uh, Sil- Silseth, I-, I can't remember how to pronounce that guy's name, pitched a re- had a really good start against a really potent offense. Honestly, I am really impressed with what the Angels did at the deadline. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, Agreed. but... Uh, I think they made really smart, solid additions to that team. And I don't know if they're going to get to the playoffs, but I definitely think that if uh, at minimum they're showing Shohei that they're serious. Exactly. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, as of press time, they are three games back from the wild card. You know, by the time you hear this, another game has been played. Um, certain teams in front of them, like the Red Sox, uh, the Yankees, no, the Yankees aren't in front of them. Uh, but either way, like there's certain teams in the AL that aren't probably going to hold on to that lead. And the Angels are in a good position to try to gain some ground. I will say it does feel like this team has a certain level of curse to them because right as they go and they acquire all these players... Uh, outfielder Taylor Ward was hit in the face by a pitch from Alec Manoa, suffering facial fractures, going on the IL for likely the rest of the season. Uh, and that was before the Grichik trade, so they replaced him in the lineup pretty fast, but sucks either way that a guy gets hit in the fucking face. And I thought Alec Manoa was, uh, <laughs> was fixing stuff. Don't hit guys in the face. Yeah, no, and, and he, he did not, obviously he did not mean to do that. You don't want to do that. You never want to do that. You never want to hit somebody, uh, especially in the face. So I, 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 obviously I feel way worse for Taylor Ward, but I, I sympathize yeah. with Manoa. That's, that's something that could, I mean, they pulled him after that. And, and John Schneider said as much like, you know, that, that can affect you. Uh, I don't remember how exactly he he worded it, but um, you yeah, know the Mano- long pause. Manoa was very conciliatory. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I did that. Yep. Like, it wasn't intentional yep. whatsoever. <laughs> no, God, no. So, b- best to both of them because this is going to affect them, obviously in in very different ways, but very deep and uh, potentially career affecting ways. Uh, we had a crazy series between the Cubs and the Cardinals this past week. Um, it started off with the organist at uh, the Cardinal Stadium playing I Touch Myself by Divinals every time Miles Mastroboni came up to bat. Uh, love that. Uh, keep doing that, uh, organ players. But there was an argument that broke out between Ian Happ and um, and uh, the Cardinals. I forget who. Yeah, it was the Cardinals. Yeah. Happ. Uh, so Happ swung too hard. And you know how these guys have been doing this thing a lot this season where they overswing and hit the catcher in the mask or in the head with their bat, which is exactly what happened here. He hits William, uh, Wilson Contreras in the head on his backswing, knocking him out of the game, and that led to Miles Miklas? Miklas? Yes. 
Mikolas? Miles Mikolas. Mikolas. Uh, intentionally throwing at Hap. Now, it took him two pitches to intentionally throw at him, but he eventually got there. And he got ejected and was like, why? What the fuck? And all the announcers were like, oh, come on, have some spirit for the game. He was just getting his buddies back. I got to say, it was. I mean, he had to get ejected, obviously, but also something has to be done about the backswing. Guys are sitting way too far back in the box. They're swinging for the fences, and they're they're going too far with this backswing. I mean, we had mentioned it earlier in the season about uh, Marcelo Zuna, which this isn't the, the only crime he's committed by far, but it was a thing that he kept doing where he kept hitting catchers in the head. And I was like, eventually somebody's going to get really hurt with this, and, and batters need to fix this. So I would hope that this sort of sends a message of, like, don't do that. Uh, the, the first thing you can do is actually enforce the batter's box. How many guys do you see with their their back foot out of the batter's box? Exactly. Just enforce it, or you know, enforce it. And if you can't hit it, I, I guess maybe be better. Um, or we can talk about maybe moving the the mound back um, a little bit. Now with you know velos being what it is, but you're you're absolutely right. This it's it, it's happening way more than I ever remember it happening at any point in my baseball viewing career. Uh, and, and, and to his credit, Ian Happ seemed, you know, contrite, he and Wilson Contreras, uh, hugged it out. They, they, they played together in Chicago, mm-hmm. so they, they have a history. I, I'm sure Contreras isn't happy about it, but he understands, but I completely agree. This can't keep happening because somebody will get seriously hurt. Well, to change a little focus here. Finally, in our news, we've got some good news. The Yankees suck. Uh, <laughs> anyway, on to the trade deadline. No skin. Um. So they have suffered their first back-to-back losing month since 2007. And in the last uh, two games, as of press time, they have broken their club record for strikeouts in consecutive days with 30? I think it was 30. A lot of strikeouts. A lot. Too many. Yeah. Uh, they got goddamn Giancarlo Stanton hitting below the Mendoza line. Rizzo's not too far ahead of him. And I was impressed by this. I couldn't believe it when I read it, and I had to go through three different websites to confirm. On the season, they are only behind the Oakland Athletics in team batting average. The Yankees. But, but they're still above 500. They are. Still, yes. And still in the hunt for the playoffs. They are. And that sucks. But It, it totally sucks. But, oh, my uh, God. They took a big hit with Aaron Judge going injured in June, and... It's it's honestly really impressive how we'll get to it a little bit later. How little they did in the trade deadline, how little answers their front office and their coaching staff have for their performance. They're, they've they've kind of taken the route of like ignoring objective reality. <laughs> At one point the other day, Boone was was asked about the offensive struggles, and he said something to the effect of, "Well, you know, aside from all the strikeouts." I thought we had some pretty good at bats. They had 18 strikeouts. There's no aside from that. That's which is 18 ma- strikeouts. Majority of your at bats. <laughs> Cra- crazy, crazy story. I saw somebody post on Reddit, and I don't have it in front of me, but they they brought up an excellent point. They they had this uh, a 50 game chunk of Joey Gallo during his time with the Yankees, and mm-hmm. then the last 50 games of Anthony Rizzo. And in this last 50 games, at or it was the 50 worst games, I think, like the streak of Joey Gallo's 50 worst games. Anthony Rizzo has actually been worse since he hit a home, his last home run in May, or like the home run he hit in May. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's been the worst hitter <laughs> amongst qualified batters in Major League Baseball. Oh, not and even Aaron, just the Yankees, in the league entirely. Yeah, like amongst qualified wow. hitters, he is the like he has a higher batting average than Gallo over that time, but Gallo had more home runs, a higher war, higher OPS. Like it was insane. And and Boone was just like, yeah, no, he's struggling. You know, he's he's struggling. I I thought about moving him down in the lineup, but then I just kept him at third in the <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens when you hit one when you're an otherwise unremarkable player who hits one historically significant home run for the New York Yankees. You too can be uh, a manager for the Yankees who's in way over your fucking head. Yes. Oh, and by the way, apropos of nothing, uh, the chance of fire Cashman have also started at Yankee Stadium, um, which started? he's been there since the goddamn nineties. Yeah, I was gonna he say has been there for a while. Yeah, and I, 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 I think the shoe's gonna drop on him. I really do. I don't know. Those Steinbrenners, man, they're uh, they're something else. Oh, piece of work. Some people's kids, man. Well, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready Let's to go. do it? Let's go. Let's go. 
always the long ones. It's still going. Okay, no more of that. Let's do it. Let's... I want to start. What is a prospect, Carl? Because everybody's talking about all these prospects that teams have been trading for and getting back. And I was like, a prospect, I, I have the vague idea of what it is. But, you know, they're like, this is a top 20 prospect. This is Houston's number one prospect. What's the difference? What does that mean? So for our listeners, for my benefit, when I did the research, a prospect is essentially an up-and-coming minor leaguer or farm system product in an MLB organization. A young guy. A guy that will eventually be playing, hopefully, fingers crossed, for your MLB team. Now, they're evaluated on their talents and their projections for MLB success, as well as their predicted arrival date for the big leagues. So you'll see that on their score sheet, and we'll link it in the description notes. MLB has a list for every single team as well as the league, where they rank these guys and they say, yeah, he's he's due to come up in 2025. And right now he's playing at this level. And eventually he'll get to this level. And here's what we could project him to look like once he gets MLB ready. Stats have gotten so crazy. Um, so for example, you've got a guy named Pete Crow Armstrong, an outfielder for the Cubs. He's on their double-A team, uh, the Tennessee Smokies. He is ranked first in the Cubs prospect list. So you'd call him the Cubs first prospect, number one prospect. However, league-wide, he's ranked seventh overall. Cubs probably aren't going to trade that guy, but I, I just wanted him as an example, you know? Um, do, do, so, do you know who do you know who did trade him? The Mets. <laughs> just, I just wanted to see. How did he get to the, the Cubs, Matt? Well... <laughs> Yeah, I I can't remember what trade that that was, but oh my God, think about it. If if, if, if if Pete Crow Armstrong pans out, you'll have Jared Kelenic over in Seattle who came from the Mets. You'll have uh, Pete Crow Armstrong who came from the Mets. Um, but yeah, that was a very succinct and excellent description of that. Uh, it's all subjective. Prospects are like pornography. You can't define it, but you know it when you see it. Um, uh, Dan, I, I love Dan Dickerson's, uh, he has a phrase that you'll hear every once in a while referring to a guy who says he's a bit past prospect status. Um, usually around 25, yeah. 26 years old. Uh, that's when you start to see, uh, the prospect tag applied a little bit less to a guy. Um, so that's, that's sort of the primer. That's what most of these teams were looking for when they made trades. It's kind of rare this time of year to see trades from a bad team to a good team where bad team will get an MLB ready guy back. Usually it's for prospects. It's investing in the future. So that's setting the table for the conversation that I wanted to have. Obviously, some of the storylines that developed throughout the day carried us into other territories. So we got a list of all the trades that happened today, but I want to talk about like the big stories. And, you know, feel free. Let's freewheel this. We've got plenty of time on the episode. What are the stories that came out of the trade deadline? We got to talk about the Mets, probably the biggest out of all of them. They are only six games out of a wild card slot. Uh, they are fourth place in their division and, and long past having any hopes of winning the division. And, and wild card chances are pretty low. Uh, five games under 500 or something like that. And they messaged pretty clearly at the end of June, they had a terrible June, that they're probably going to be on the selling side. They've had a great record in July, but it wasn't enough to, to not sell. So the first shoe that dropped was David Robertson, closer, lights out closer, absolutely perfect, uh, Picked up the slack for Edwin Diaz after he got injured. He got traded to the Marlins for two prospects, Marco Vargas and Ronald Hernandez. And that was sort of the biggest shoe to drop over the weekend. Right after that happened, Max Scherzer's in in the uh, the locker room talking to the media saying, I'm probably going to have to talk to the brass. I got to figure out what's going on. And from what I understand, they basically told him, we have no intention of investing heavily next year or the year after we want to try to get as many prospects as we can build up our farm system and try to make a run for it in like 2025 2026 scherzer did the math he said well i'm not going to be here then that's when my contract is up what's your plan for next year and they said ah probably nothing and so scherzer <laughs> said okay i don't want to be here anymore then so they traded scherzer to the Rangers in exchange for their uh, number one prospect, number two prospect. He's now the number two prospect in the Mets system. Luis Angel Acuna, who's the younger brother of Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, they also agreed to pay a significant chunk of Scherzer's remaining salary to the Rangers. I don't like that. Um, and that was the second shoe to drop. The Mets very clearly took that news very hard. They played like shit the game after that. And guys like Verlander and um, 
Pete Alonso made pretty public comments to the media saying like, wow, if a guy with a no trade clause can get traded just like that, what does that mean for the rest of us? And it was pretty clear at that point, we're in sell mode. Verlander, after some back and forth and some like, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Writing was pretty clearly on the wall. He was going to go. He went back to the Astros for Drew Gilbert, who was the Astros' number one prospect, and Ryan Clifford, who's their number four prospect, both outfielders. Um, they're also sending $54 million to the Astros to pay for his salary. And uh, that's it. Verlander was a Met for about four months. <laughs> The most um, expensive rental. So, and, you know, uh, Mark Canna and um, Tommy Pham also got traded. They were kind of expected to get traded. Um, they were, uh, uh, Canna was nearing the end of his contract. Pham was a one-year deal. Those were the kind of guys you trade. You're just expected to trade. No one really expected Hall of Fame-level pitchers who were on medium-length contracts to get traded like this, and their salaries go with them. So the Mets are paying the Astros for Verlander. They're paying Verlander to play for the Astros. They're paying Scherzer to play for the Rangers. I hate that. And I guess that's my biggest thing I'm most upset by. It's like, yeah, they got some great prospects in return. That's awesome. That is so cool. And I love that for the future of the Mets come 2026 when you get to see some of these guys maybe get called up. But I don't know. It just it, it, it irks me that they they even signed these deals in the first place and they're willing to just throw these players away. I don't really, I don't really care about the money. Steve Cohen clearly doesn't either. He's a fucking mega trillionaire who got his money through, you know, bad means. I don't care about his money. I care about the team though. And this this is the kind of thing that sours a lot of fans on a team. It sours a lot of players to play for the team. And it just, it just sucks. More than anything, it sucks to see Verlander go to the Astros again. Because fuck the Astros, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it sets a really bad precedent, not just for, like you said, the fans, but also for other players, because now this is going to signal, do, do you, I mean, first of all, they've, without saying so, they've all but said, hey, Shohei, we're not going to chase you next year. Exactly. That he's, there's, there's, there's no chance of that. And quite frankly, even if they did, why would he come here? Why would anybody come here? Why would anybody come here to this current situation as it stands, because now I, I credit, you know, credit to Steve Cohen. Uh, according to the internet, he's worth roughly eighteen billion dollars. Jesus Christ! Right. So the hundred and the one hundred and thirty-eight million dollars in dead money that they'll have now, he can go shake the fucking couch cushions. It does. It does. It does not affect him. He's now worth uh, $17.8 billion or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure it, it, he it, can hedge a fund or whatever tomorrow and have that all back. Exactly. But it speaks to a larger a larger problem. And a lot of people, remember, this is something that I think is hilarious because a lot of people still think like, oh, these big market teams can just come in and spend all this money. And what about the small market teams? This proves that spending money doesn't mean shit in baseball. Mm -hmm. It does not mean shit. And so now people are trying to find other reasons to say that this is insidious and say, well, actually, we thought it was really bad when Steve Cohen spent all that money last year on that payroll. But now he's essentially paying. He's, he's, he's essentially buying prospects is what people are saying. Yeah, yeah. that's what you do. Oh. That's 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 what you you know, that's that's like essentially uh, not to j jump too far ahead. But the Tigers gave Michael Lorenzen a one year eight point five million dollar deal and got a pretty highly regarded prospect from the Phillies in exchange. So they invested eight point yeah. five million dollars and got, you know, got a prospect back. That's how it works. Steve basically, Cohen yeah. just wildly overpaid for his million prospects. On a prospect. Yeah. Yeah, there he goes. Exactly. So yeah. they spent four million dollars to get a prospect. It is kind of alarming to see that the Mets are paying now north of one hundred and thirty seven million dollars in deferred or retained contracts that's more than 13 teams entire payrolls you know the significant portion of oh, nearly half of the league uh so i mean he could field a whole other team just in the money that he spends on players playing for other teams right now this season and i don't think bobby bonilla even counts for that like that's, <laughs> no. maybe he does i think maybe he has a million in that i don't know but uh, he's got he's got to. So one hundred and thirty eight or thirty. Yeah. <laughs> round exactly. up a little bit. So that's that's our Mets rant. Let's move on to Tigers stuff. Uh, I think significantly less upsetting from a from a what are you doing with your players standpoint and more just what are you doing? The Tigers 
came into the trade deadline with two of the most sought-after uh, starting pitching options. Michael Lorenzen, who was a, a rental, he, you could see him going to a team, and he did. He went to the Phillies. We got back a solid uh, second baseman prospect who's in double-A right now. Did I not write down his name? I guess yeah, it's not. all right. <laughs> um, but then they had Eduardo Rodriguez, who was sought-after for a ton of teams and the 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 Diamondbacks the Orioles there were a ton of people that were acquiring after him the Dodgers really were high on him and the Tigers from what we understand from the outside looking in the Tigers had a deal with the Dodgers set locked loaded ready to go Erod had the Dodgers on the list of teams 10 teams that he did not want to get traded to it, no trade clause that he could exercise at any time. And he invoked that clause when the deal was meant to go through. And then the Tigers did not have a backup deal. He did not go trade it. Nobody got him. The Tigers got nothing for him. What happened? <laughs> okay, we talked about this last week. We talked about specifically Lance Lynn and how he had a 10-team no-trade clause. And at first blush, and we actually, Ken Rosenthal reported that the team, a lot of the teams on the list were perennial contenders. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, wait, I, the average fan, don't understand. Why wouldn't a player want to go to 10 of the you know, best teams in the league? Well, in Lance Lynn's case, he had a team option for next year. So let's say Lance Lynn wants to go to the Dodgers, perhaps. I don't know what all the details are, but he could say, yeah, I'll waive my no trade clause if the Dodgers will pick up my option. If they pick up my option, I'll waive my no trade clause. It's another bargaining chip. It's, an, it's leverage. And I think for that's the... exactly what happened, too. With right. Lynn. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to it's be what happened. If, if it was reported, I missed it. Erod is a little different, and his is a player option. So he has the decision. So I'm going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there was, may, maybe he did. Maybe Erod did say, I will approve a trade to the Dodgers if blank. And maybe the Dodgers said, nah, we're good. And then Erod said, okay, then we're done here. Maybe that's what happened. What is uh, what the conspiracy theorists of Reddit uh, want to believe, and I hope they're wrong, is that uh, the, the Tigers just never asked him. <laughs> Which would they be just ridiculous. Were like, which would which would mean that Scott Harris was secretly two Alavilas in a trench coat because <laughs> that's the kind of thing uh, that Alavila would do is put together a trade with a team that was on his no trade clause list, and and then when he's like, bro, that's that's one of the ten teams I told you no. He's like, okay, but, but oh, I thought you were joking about you? that. I thought, no. yeah. You, Oh, I didn't realize that like all the lawyers and all that shit and the, you know, the, we had a notary and everything, but I didn't think you were serious. Um, yeah. And, and like I said to you, I've said in the Tiger subreddit, this is bad. This is a, a ba- bad move at, at best. It's a bad look. We won't really know how bad it is until the off season or until somebody leaks or somebody says Erod is opting out. If he opts out, this is the this is a major blemish on the very young very short track record of scott harris if erod stays i'm fine with it if he stays i'm fine with it his contract is not onerous like miggy's you know 38 million dollars a year at age 40 he's a a 30 year old or 31 year old left-handed pitcher with a lot in the tank i'll take him for a couple more years i got no problem with that but if he walks scott harris is on thin ice with the fan with the fan base yeah i you know, I think there might be a world given that, um, you know, Erod kind of disappeared. For those that aren't like familiar with the Tigers, uh, Rodriguez kind of disappeared last year. He kind of just stopped showing up to work and everyone's like, what happened? And from what we understand as fans, he had some personal issues that he had to deal with. He took a leave of absence from the team. The team gave him carte blanche to just go. Kind of what they've done with Austin Meadows as well. He was gone from the team for a long time. He came back, pitched decently at the end of the uh, last year. He was coming back this year. He pitched great this year. And so that's one of those things is like, you know, maybe I could see a world where he said, you know what, this team supported me at one of my lowest points. They were there for me. They let me have my space to be with my family. I'm going to show my loyalty to this team, and I'm going to stick around with my player option. I could see that maybe being a possibility, but I don't know, man, because baseball is a business, and that is not a business move. No, and we 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 will likely never know every single conversation that took place behind closed doors. Maybe he told him, 
maybe he said, Hey man, yeah, I understand this is a business. I really like to stay here, but I understand you got to do what you got to do. Maybe he doesn't want to go anywhere. Maybe this is truly where he wants to be because of that, because of that, you know, kindness and generosity that they extended to him. They did not have to do that. They could have, I'm sure gone through, through union approved means and, and, and find him or punished him in some way. I hope that's the case. I really do. Because otherwise this, like I said, this is not, this is not a good look. And right now I think that uh, this is putting the Tigers on the fast track to one of the, the lowest overall trade deadline grades uh, for this trade deadline. It's, it's not great, but what's puzzling I do... too is they could have gotten what? more too. Like they have so many relievers that could have gone places. Not that I wanted to see uh, Lang or Foley go anywhere, but Cisnero, um, uh, what's the Shreve. weird guy? Shreve, yeah, yeah, like Jason the, Shreve. But either of them could have gone somewhere. Nobody went. Lorenzen was the only trade, and they picked somebody up that was defed by the Dodgers. But that's that's it. Yeah. For a team and, and that it, had so much ceiling to trade with, they did nothing. Yep. And I honestly, I you touched on something that I had conveniently blocked out. But as soon as you said it, the bile uh, you know, popped up and, oh, Scott Harris is talking to the Tigers. Oh. Anyway, um, he's, not, he's not talking on the broadcast. Um, it got the bile up in, in me immediately, which was, I can't believe they didn't move Lang or Foley. Lang and Foley are the epitome of Billy Bean, Moneyball era baseball. Plug somebody in, let them excel in a very limited role, in a specialized role that is always overvalued. Relief pitching is always overvalued. You have two guys who are two of the best relievers in the league right now who are making the league minimum and who are under team control for at least another three years. I think four years. I think they're still like they're they're still pre-arb and they have three years of arbitration eligibility, which means that whoever got them would would control them at the league minimum for four fucking years. And you couldn't move them for anything? Are you telling me that you don't believe enough in your system that you don't think you could develop some other arm to to go with the un... I mean, who the fuck was Jason Foley before this? Who was Alex Lang? Who was Jason Shreve? They were nobody. You developed them internally. Now flip them while they're at their maximum. Now, they, they could do it next year. Again, they've got multiple years of control, but that to me was mind boggling. All right, well, let's move on from the Tigers. I feel like we were we were measured in our in our anger. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the White Sox. This was something we actually kind of predicted last week. We said I think the White Sox got a lot of chips to move. Yeah. And I don't think we quite anticipated that they were just going to give away the whole team. <laughs> Everybody but Louise Robert. Yeah. Uh Cease ended up sticking around. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, he I don't did. think they got rid of uh Tim Anderson, right? Tim Anderson no, stayed. Uh, yeah, they, I'm 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 guessing he was uh, they were going to try and overcharge for Tim Anderson and I I I think I think teams are sniffing him out and thinking he's yeah. on the wrong the wrong end of the bell curve there in terms of uh but, his career. But yeah, they, I mean Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly Kendall Graveman, Lance Lynn, and uh, Joe Kelly are in the notes twice. Oh, I wrote it down twice. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Berger uh, to Miami. I, I'm really impressed that they moved him because he's came out of nowhere and has got 25 home runs on the year. Um, One of and, those was supposed to be Giolito to the Oh, that's Angels. right. Yeah, Giolito to the – Giolito and um, – oh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Reynaldo Lopez. Or Reynaldo yep. Lopez uh, went to the Angels as well. So I, I think the White Sox did a great job from a seller's perspective uh, at the trade deadline. They had a lot of pieces they could move. They moved them. They know they suck. Apparently nobody else knows they suck. The White Sox knew it. And they've still got a nice core uh, around – you know, they still got Luis Robert, Cease, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, they still got Yasmani Grandal, Michael Kopik, Eric Crochet. They're, I think they're closer to competing than the Mets. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, and from a from a, a buyer's perspective, I I said this to you before the record. I think the Angels did a remarkable job. I think they they added some really solid pieces. Yeah, let's transition to them because they they are probably my favorite of the whole thing. The Dodgers were weird. I would probably put the Dodgers in like, what? What do you? Why did you get that guy? Maybe they have a grander vision than I can see. But what I did see is the Angels just went for it, and I think that they succeeded. Absolutely, they added Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox. Uh, they added C.J. Crone and uh, Rand- their former first-round draft pick Randall Grichik, uh, who immediately showed up and hit a home run mm-hmm. uh, last night in uh, in Atlanta, and you can tell. It, 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 
I, I'm going to say this with a, a, a high amount of certainty. I think that the the Angels television broadcasters are still broadcasting remotely. Really? Um, I think so. Either that or they're really bad at their jobs because <laughs> several times they were like, oh, they, they said, oh, Randall, Gr- Randall Gritchick pops it up to center field and it was a home run. Oh, my God. And they tried to cover and be like, well, that pop-up just kept going. Yeah, because it wasn't a pop-up. Um, yeah, they, they added some solid pieces. They they DFA'd uh, Jared Walsh. Uh, they brought C.J. Crone in to, to play first base. Uh, former Angel, former Tiger, C.J. Crone, who's had uh, just an absurdly solid couple of seasons in Colorado. He's averaged like 88 RBI, 28 home runs over the last couple of seasons. Um, Gritchick is a solid outfield piece who helps soften the blow from the loss of Trout. Uh, Lopez came in last night, did great out of the bullpen. I'm sure Giolito is going to return to form. I don't. I still think the best is yet to come for Giolito, or I still think he's a top flight pitcher. But yeah, I, I it, it, to a larger extent, I, I not only do I think that the the Angels had probably the best trade deadline, but I think that the American League West just got real interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They were going. The AL West was going hard at the deadline. Well, Texas had. I mean, the Scherzer was probably their big signing, but they had a couple guys. I'm looking through here. Let's see. That's Scherzer. Uh, Rangers, Rangers, Rangers. Was that all they did? Oh, Austin Hedges. That makes sense because yep. Jonah Heim got injured, so they signed Austin Hedges today uh, or traded for him. Um, yep. And then, of course, you know, the Astros got uh, Verlander, which is also very funny to think like two guys that were at one time teammates and then they separated and they went their separate ways. And then another time they met again in the World Series. And then they separated, they went their separate ways, and then they met again and they were teammates. And now they're separated and now they're potentially going to have a showdown for the AL? Yeah. Who knows? Do you, rem- do you remember the uh, sort of underrated Will Smith flick, Hancock? I do. Yeah. Great film. Do you, do you, yeah, right. Do you remember how he was really powerful until he got close to Charlize Theron and who was also powerful. But then when they were together, like it like reduced their powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think, think that's, that's what that's happens with Verlander with and Scherzer. Uh, I mean, when they were with Detroit, I mean, that kind of counters it. But then they went their separate ways. Yeah. Max won a World Series. JV won a World Series. They come back together in New York. The whole thing implodes. They both kind of suck. Uh, now they're going away uh, to their separate ways. So now I am going to just assume that Scherzer is going to regain his form. Verlander's over those last five starts has been really solid. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be fine. But uh, yeah, the AL West. The reason West why I didn't got, want them uh, to trade him. <laughs> is that why? Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Uh, I, I thought you were just really concerned about Steve uh, Cohen's uh, bank account. But yeah. no, you're just you're a fan who wants the team to win. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I'm looking at your list here. It, just such a, a lot of really excellent moves. The uh, Jimer Candelario, or Jimer, Jamer Candelario, former Detroit Tiger, uh, one-time international signee of the Cubs. It was traded to the Tigers, is now a Cub again. I think that is a sneaky, good pickup. He uh, has proven the Harris re- regime wrong. Um, and that's another move that the Tigers fans should kind of look at with a little bit of side eye because Matt Vierling is starting at third base tonight. <laughs> yeah, uh, not historically had a, big a third empty, baseman. We've had a big empty hole at third base. Now, granted, the Nationals signed him on a very cheap one-year deal, a prove-me deal. He proved. I, I read somebody say he was one of the most sought-after bats in the trade market this year. Yeah. Jamer Candelario. Like, yeah. that's wild because he was so I, bad last year. <laughs> He was terrible, but I think it says more about how hard it is to hit right now. You know, I I mean, just it's true. You're not seeing a lot of, you know, great, you know, batting performances. I think like the fifth, like the fifth best or fifth highest batting average. I can't remember who it was like one of the leagues, but like the fifth highest batting average in the league right now is like 285. You know, I remember a time where like if you had to, to crack the top 10, you had to be over 300. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a really a pitcher. It was a pitcher heavy uh, trade deadline. It saw a lot of big moves. Going back to the AL West, the Mariners turned out to be sort of sellers. They uh, offloaded AJ Pollock and Paul Sewold, uh, uh, but they did not offload Teoscar Hernandez, which was odd, uh, given that he's you know a good twenty to twenty five home run power kind of guy. Uh, mm-hmm. who's on an expiring contract. But I guess I would have thought the market would have been hotter for him than Jimer Candelario. 
but I'm just a baseball uncle who co-hosts a baseball podcast with you. I what do I know? I think one of the weirder ones in my book is Rich Hill and G Man Choi to the Padres and the Padres not giving up Blake Snell or Josh Hader. What are they doing? They are only one game ahead of the Mets. And I said that I you know, I posted this too. It's like I put a thing of the standings and I said, Okay, so here's one team. Six and a half games back of the wild card, having a fire sale. And here's the team right above them, five and a half games back, buying? What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of people like to point out that, like, based on run differential, like, the, the Padres should be in first place in the wild, wild card or something. Sure. Like, they're scoring more runs than, than their opponents, but it's not working out. Um, so, of course, you got to go get G Man Choi and Dick Mountain, aka Rich Hill. Um, who is his, uh, his, his on his quest to uh, be the, his, a one man immaculate grid, as you pointed out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, he's he's got a decent cutter. He's got that excellent curveball. Rich Hill is one of my favorite players around. I mean, he was a, a scrap heap reclamation project at the Boston Red Sox, and now he's parlayed that into generational wealth. Yeah. Uh, and good for him. Good for him. Uh, I mean, the Pirates, uh, yeah, they, they also, the Pirates also offloaded Carlos Santana to the Brewers. The Brewers also picked up Andrew Chafin from the Diamondbacks. I'm just going through your list here and picking out some ones that I saw that were really interesting. One move that I really liked, uh, and I was emboldened by my like of this when I saw that, I, I think it was, it was Ken Rosenthal that really liked it too, or might have been, it might have been Keith Law, was the Aaron Savale trade. Um, Aaron Savale got sent by the Guardians uh, to Cleveland or from Cleveland to the Rays. And uh, the prospect they got in return is one of their top hitting prospects uh, because we are uh, two dudes with day jobs and baseball uncles. We're not researchers. Uh, we don't remember that guy's name. But uh, Kyle I'm sure you... Manzardo. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Manzardo, that's the one. Apparently, Duke can just absolutely rake. Like the word around the league is this was a, a, a good trade all around. The Guardians got a good slugger. So, you know, prepare for, you know, a couple, maybe maybe from 2025 to 2028. Uh, we're just bemoaning the Guardians' uh, dominance of the AL Central again because that's surely what they're going to do. Um, Ahmed Rosario was also uh, <laughs> was uh, moved. That was a uh, weird one, right? I think it was yeah. a weird one. No, no, it was totally, it was totally weird. The Marlins traded uh, before their game tonight. They traded their number three and number eight hitters um, to to Cleveland for Josh Bell. Um, they, they traded Gene Segura and Khalil in their up their up and coming. Gene Segura, yeah. Oh, and who was traded to Cleveland and then Cleveland DFA'd him. Why? I, I don't what know. The hell? I don't work there. <laughs> Okay. No problem. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Nikki, <laughs> Nikki Lopez got moved to the uh, from Kansas City to the Braves, so he's going from worst to first. Big ups for Nikki Lopez. They also got uh, rid of um uh their uh, Barlow. Scott Barlow. Yep. Scott Barlow went to the Padres. Another Padres pickup. The Padres. Be so we might not weird. believe, but the Padres sure fucking believe. Uh. <laughs> Let's see here. What was the other one that I really liked? Uh, oh yeah, that's what I wanted. To, the the Cardinals. The Cardinals, Cardinals made some moves. Yeah, the Cardinals made some moves. They offloaded uh, two of their starters and Jack Flaherty, uh, who I think is actually going to I think is going to do really well in Baltimore. I think he's going to help them out a lot. Uh, the AL East is interesting in the, in that arms race. You know, they Savali uh, goes to Tampa. Jack Flaherty goes to Baltimore. Uh, but yeah, the uh, Jordan Hicks is traded to Toronto. Uh, they also sent Paul DeYoung uh, to Toronto as well. Uh, although apparently uh, Bo Bichette's knee injury that he suffered last night or leg injury uh, is not that severe. So Paul DeYoung, uh, you're on the clock. <laughs> you better oh. prove your... Hey, the, the, the rosters are expanding soon. Maybe he'll get to ride the bench into the postseason. Who knows? By one, they don't go to 40 men anymore. <laughs> Go from 25 oh. to 26. <laughs> well, better prove it. <laughs> You're getting deep, yeah. buddy. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, Mark Canna, you mentioned him earlier. He did ultimately get shipped out from New York to the Brewers. Apparently, Francisco Lindor, I saw this in the in the post-trade deadline uh, recap. Apparently, Francisco Lindor had a similar conversation with uh, the, the brass, with the Mets, uh, that, mm -hmm. that Scherzer had. And apparently, Lindor is fine with everything. <laughs> 
But well, I, I, he signed a longer contract. I think that's the hard thing is that he's sort of he's the team leader. He signed a really long contract, and he said, "You know what? I'm here. I gotta I gotta be the guy that's here. So let's build a team." And it sucks, yeah. but I I get it. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, look at this point, we're 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 just rattling off trades. Uh, I I think that we've we've tread some really good ground on this. Is there anything else that you want to cover on the trade front? I guess just what do you think? Like, what's your what's your big takeaway? Like, it it felt a little more chaotic this year, and a little more like the Yankees kind of did stuff as buyers, even though they should have been sellers. Um, you know, some teams that like the Braves were very quiet. They didn't do anything. Did they need to? Probably not. Um, you know, what what's your big takeaway? Mine f- is definitely like the AL Central got really interesting in a couple years between Kansas City, the White Sox and the Guardians. Tigers not so much, but <laughs> No, I I think you're right. To to your point about the Yankees, uh, apparently there was some scuttlebutt that said they were just they were just sitting there with their rentals and, and not willing to negotiate, um, which is is a very Yankees move. I honestly I think that what we saw happening around the trade deadline here um, is indicative of what you talked about. You've talked about several times throughout the run of the show so far, which is the 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 new schedule. Does this balance schedule, can the balance schedule be credited or blamed for the chaos around the league right now, where you've got teams like your San Diego's who are in your in your Anaheim Angels, uh, I refuse to call them the Los Angeles Angels, um, teams like that, where in any other year, y- you would think that they were selling, but right up until the deadline, there was like, Will they? Won't they? I, I the Yankees might. The Yankees. The Yankees could realistically be justified. Not. <laughs> I mean, in a vacuum, you look at their record and go, "Oh, they're still in it. They don't really need to sell." But if you look at the product on the field, you think they should sell. Yeah. You know, and and I think that is really the fascinating part about all of this is seeing. I mean, this is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite time of the year because it's so fascinating to see everything fall into place. And I think the average fan gets a, a bit of a glimpse behind the curtain. And if nothing else, I think this is going to be the trade deadline that gets people interested. Like for me, by comparison, I, I turned 18 in 1996, but I didn't vote until the 2004 election. But the 2000 election and seeing what happened with that and all of the attention that was paid to it made me become more politically aware and political politically active i think people seeing this and and are gonna go wait why the what the i don't remember anybody talking about the trade deadline this much why why are so many people talking about the trade deadline i think it's going to help educate the average fan a bit more and result in maybe a higher uh, higher grasp of these sort of behind the scenes things so i i that's a long-term thing but Last week, the last week was the highest average attendance in major league major league baseball in like nine years. You know, the average the, the age of the average ticket buyer has gone down. We've talked about that from age forty five or forty nine to forty five. People are getting involved. People are paying attention. So I think, if nothing else, the excitement around this is going to bring people even closer to the game. And I think that irrespective of how we feel about this trade deadline, I think it's a net positive for baseball. And uh, fuck Rob Manfred. Yeah, I I just felt right. <laughs> I just Fuck felt yeah. like I just had to say it. Well, that's gonna do it for us. That's gonna do it for the trade deadline. These are your teams. These these are the guys that are gonna be playing for these teams. Yeah, they are. But one more thing before we before we wrap it up, we briefly talked about this on the Discord. We we want to repick now. Who we we talked about who we're gonna bandwagon for for the rest of the year now that the oh. trade deadline has passed. You go first. You you tell you tell the listeners who you're bandwagoning the rest of the year. I tell you what, it was pretty easy. I kind of made up my mind, even though they swept my team after they decided to make the push. I'm going Angels, <laughs> and I bought an Otani jersey today. Just to celebrate. Oh, you did. I bought oh, it. I can't. I can't do that right now. I can't. I. I can't make that. Uh, that purchase. But it's like fifty bucks I, on I, eBay. It wasn't like a. Oh like nuts, yeah, I could do that. You know? I, I thought you were talking like one of like the authentics. Um, well, in that case, if I uh, if if I were going to be buying a jersey, it would be an Adley Rushman jersey, because I'm bandwagoning the Baltimore Orioles the rest of the way. I am excited <laughs> to see a team 
that isn't the Yankees or the Red Sox or quite frankly the Rays um, showing the American League East that it's not just a two-team or a three-team division anymore. They're young. They're exciting. <laughs> Despite their best, the best efforts of their owner, Peter Angelos, to try to you know, be a, a, a skin flint and not spend any money. Uh, they've still managed to put together a team that I think is going to make some noise in the playoffs. So I'm now officially rooting for a, or an, an Orioles angels, American league championship series. I'd love that. I mean, the Orioles got a dang beer bong and, and it's their part of their home run celebration. Like they're fun. And if they, if they pull it off, they will be one of they will be the fastest team to go from a hundred loss season to winning a division, going to the playoffs, ever. That's huge. I mean, the hundred loss season is the reason, but uh, you know, hey, it worked. But they did it. But they made it work. They made the right choices, and they've still got they've still got Jackson Holiday and Heston Kierstad, and one other dude whose name I cannot recall off the top of my head right now down in the minor. Like they still have prospects in the pipeline that are highly, highly regarded. Yeah. Good luck, AL East. Good luck, everybody else. Well, let's go Baltimore. Let's go uh, Angels. This will be this will be a new pivot for the show. I'm still gonna root for the Mets and the Tigers. I mean, the Tigers are losing at the moment, but you know we we don't expect much from them. If they win, it's it's enough. Um, but uh, until next week, we'll uh, we'll talk some more baseball and you know enjoy your new teams, folks. Enjoy your new guys. Make sure that you have a nice little home. Hey, uh, Phillies, you know, take care of Lorenzen. He's an All Star. You know, treat him, treat him with yeah. some respect. And uh, yeah, and he's a he's a proto Shohei. You can put him out there in the base pass or in the field too. He can do it all. There you go. Uh, all right, folks, that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll see you next week. Put me in coach is an Arctic Sounds original podcast hosted by Matt Coggins and Carl Mizell. Theme music is by Quack Quack Seatback. Edited and produced by Matt Coggins. Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at PutMeInPod or at our website, PutMeInCoachPod.com. Put me in coach.